Warning, we're not medical professionals. We're just two gross weirdos fascinated by bodily functions who read too much WebMD. This podcast will contain some pretty gross content, so listen at your own risk. Gross Podcast. where we talk about gross bodily functions and phenomena. Yep. (laughs) Uh, I'm Katie, and this is Jessica. Hi. And we have our awesome friend Lane here as guest. Hey, everybody. We're the worst podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have uh, seven to eight regular listeners. At least you know we're in it for the content rather than the self-promotion, right? Because we're horrible at self-promotion. Well, once I uh, actually take the time to put fart noises over all of our swear words and we get on the radio, then maybe more people we have 10 listeners. Ooh! <laughs> Consistently. <laughs> or I guess if we're on the radio, we run the chance of um, having unconsenting listeners as oh, well. No. <laughs> you know, that's... I think that this is an informative podcast, though. I feel like every time I come away with the list and I'm like, wow, there's some stuff that I did not know about my body and that I'm very interested in learning and picking up. Yeah. About. That's part of the point. Yeah. yeah. That is so heartwarming to hear. That almost sounded like heartwarming. <laughs> that is, that Which is, is so our topic today. <laughs> okay, that's what's going on in this spiel sheet is like the intro, and then there's going to be a series of puns that then have to like make their way through everything. No, this is podcasts are important too, I think, in this space because it avoids the whole like conflict of the image tab. Mm. when you're doing your medical searches too which can sometimes be a deterrent for like yeah. i don't need to see the most major pus filled version of this i need a minor version i do yes <laughs> yeah no i spent i was listening to a podcast on guinea worms recently and I, there was just awesome. this very long internal argument about don't do it you won't like it there's no reason <laughs> there's so look it up. cool though you, you've seen pictures before and you don't need to do this to yourself again and i i did it i couldn't help it and yeah. i google image searched guinea worms and highly suggest other people do that too. <laughs> so but gross. you can do it if you want to. You can just listen to us paint a picture for you if you prefer. <laughs> yeah. Guinea worms on a, an upcoming podcast. Yeah, that should probably be near an you. They're really gnarly. But thanks, Jimmy Carter, for pretty much eliminating them. Yeah. Right on. I could go for Jimmy Carter again. Oh, man. Oh, God. Speaking of gross things, our president. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Jessica, how's your body this week? I have been too busy to really even notice that I have a body this week. No. <laughs> it's doing its job. <laughs> what more can you ask for? It's showing up. Um, yeah. What? Oh, oh, I do have a body thing. So I kind of talked about this last time that I had like a cystic acne breakout and a coworker of mine suggested this weird homeopathic medicine called Prids. And it comes in, it's a, it's called a drawing solve. 
And Whoa. yeah, it looks super old timey, but it looks really similar to the lip gloss that I use. So I'm awesome. like, <laughs> like one of these days I'm going to be really tired and accidentally put it all over my mouth and then I'll regret it because it smells really bad. But uh, <laughs> you just put like a chunk of it. It's like this brownish black paste mm. on your zit and then you put a bandaid over it and then you sleep with it. Whoa. And it seriously re- like reduced it like half its size every night that I did that. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So weird cystic acne cure. It's not like super immediate. I still have a little tiny bump, but. How much drawing solve is left in the morning under the Band-Aid? Is it Uh, absorbed into the skin? A little bit. Okay. But like, there's still some on there. Yeah. It's like, you don't know if it's absorbed into the skin or the Band-Aid. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But it works. I was trying to read what's in it and it like. Other than the fake homeopathy chemicals that are in it. Oh, their words are long. (laughs) I've looked before. Also, it has paraben in it, which is probably bad for me, but... You know, it's working, I, so I don't give a shit. <laughs> just go a little I know parabens are bad, but, like, the best moisturizer I have found for my skin is this cheap, shitty stuff that totally has parabens in it. And I, I've move given away from in... That. I don't know what else. And to do. weren't you using yeah. that stuff that has like estrogen in it? Which yeah, the is definitely cream. going to give Whoa. you cancer. <laughs> well, but I'm vegan, so I think I'm exempt from that. <laughs> Except for soy has estrogen in it. No, actually, soy has <laughs> phytoestrogens in it. Since you brought it up, it's this like whole thing. And actually, yes. it's there's a lot of competing science about <laughs> it. But the difference between um, actual estrogens, like what our body produces, and what's found in meat and dairy products. And the phytoestrogens that are found in plant compounds is that um, phytoestrogens actually block uptake of estrogen. So they fit into the same um, hormonal receptors as estrogen does, but they don't actually um, transfer any hormones into your uh, what a circulatory system, wherever the hormones go. Yeah. You like actual estrogens do. Oh, I forgot. That's a thing that doesn't come from the internet. Um, Anyway, how's your body? uh, My body has been okay. I've also been doing a lot and feeling like super able um, now that the grass pollen is kind of going away. Yeah. And I'm on like super drugs for it. And I have been doing some illicit yard work that I'm not supposed to be doing on our <laughs> rental property. Illicit? That sounds like you're building, you're like cutting was, our bushes into dicks or something. <laughs> I was explicitly told not to do. Gratuitous topiaries. <laughs> oh, that's gotta be a really stoner band. I am working on hedges right now. But I was I was explicitly told not to do any work on the property, um, but it's, there, there's so it's so bad. Hopefully our uh, property owner doesn't listen to the radio. Yeah, I don't. I think this is probably wouldn't be his podcast of choice, anyways. <laughs> um, but I'm feeling pretty great and feeling like I'm getting stuff done and making things better. And I'll except when I was doing yard work. Do you remember yesterday when you came out and were like, "Dude, you should like be wearing more clothes or something." Yeah, because your lower back was all sunscreen. Yeah, I sun- definitely sunscreened. Uh, sunburned. It was not no. sunscreened. That was the problem. <laughs> Um, I definitely have a huge tramp stamp sunburn now. Yes. I saw that coming. <laughs> Real good crescent it's shape, really too. It's really bad. Oh, yeah. no. Um, made worse by the fact that I tried to yank on something that did not give consent to be yanked. 
And I, like, fell backwards <gasps> into, like, the edge of our deck, like, right in the same place where the sunburn <sighs> would later be. So Ouch. I have, like, double... Tender. Double drama in my lower back area. <laughs> but I, you know, I'm also feeling fine. If that's my biggest problem, I'm fine. It's yeah. awesome. And fe- I'm, like, feeling, like, really sore and good, like I've been using muscles. Hey, Lane, that's how's your body? My body's doing all right. I'm kind of coming out of, like, a weird month. June was really heavy for me, and I learned some new things about my body. I got stung by a bee for the first time, like, the day after my birthday. I've never been stung either. Okay, here's the weird thing. We were playing Never Have I Ever out in my backyard, and that was always (laughs) one of my go-to questions, because I was like, I mean, how how can you not be stung by a bee? It really hurt. (laughs) And there was part of me that was like, okay, you have to like kind of try not to be wimpy about this. Like, yeah, it's going to be fine. But like bug stuff really like gets into my system. And so I get like really inflamed and I feel like I'm just like swollen You're like Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. There's no need for that. (laughs) That was kind of my first reaction was like, at least I'm around people. So like within the next five minutes of my airways closing, someone will be able to call 911. (laughs) This will not be a my girl situation. So not definitely allergic. I worry about that too. Always, right? Like new allergies, things you wouldn't know or Mm -hmm. like. I also had my first staph infection ever as like this weird spot on my neck. And I totally thought it was just this big blemish because I uh, totally have a face brush that I use now and so I was like we're just gonna exfoliate on my neck you know that's good and like the next day it was like oh I did not like that and I totally so I didn't know that's what it was and my mom saw it and was like yeah just put some hand sanitizer on it and the next day it was like oh dried up and done so that's all you have to do for a staff I guess but that's right and that's the thing that's where I got into my google image search of like all right I need to know what like do I go to the doctor (laughs) is there any antibiotic necessary for this and that's not usually what comes up on the first page at least no yeah well on that note (laughs) let's talk about some STDs woo um eyes STIs well I, I don't know. I don't think I know the politics behind that. But what I studied is sort of not – it's an infection but sort of not sexually transmitted but is sexually transmitted. Can be. Can be. Right. Yeah. So it's not classified as an STI. Yeah. Interesting. But And then thinking about what's in the bacterial space, does that have anything to do with the classification of an infection versus a disease? I, th- I don't know much about infection versus disease, but from what I read – they only classify something as an STI if that's the only way that it gets transmitted. Interesting. So there's a lot of things that are sexually mm-hmm. transmitted, but they're not a sexually transmitted disease or infection because they can be transmitted other ways. Wow. I think disease also implies um, something that <clears throat> you will likely be living with the rest of your life. Totally. That, that promoted the idea that the class of what you would think of as STDs is a lot smaller than what it actually is. So in order to promote awareness of what is or can be an STI, they changed the nomenclature. Interesting. Yeah, I thought it was mostly changed to reduce stigma, but I don't know if that happened. I don't know if it reduces any stigma. Well, (laughs) yeah, I guess. So I uh, researched gonorrhea, and um, it is one of the oldest known STDs or STIs. Um, it said STDs in most of what I was using to research, so that's what I wrote down, and it'll probably come out even if that's not the correct um, acronym to use. Um, but gonorrhea, our, our knowledge of gonorrhea dates back to the Old Testament. 
and it is the second most commonly reported infectious disease. We're actually going to talk about the first most commonly uh, reported as well um, on this podcast. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Um, And gonorrhea affects approximately 78 million people globally every year. That is 820,000 new infections every year in the United States. And it is something that you can catch over and over again. And at any point in time in the U.S., 0.8% of women have it and 0.6% of men have it. That's kind of crazy because, like, we could just probably eliminate it. Yeah. By, by <laughs> not having sex or by... No, by using condoms. <laughs> by using condoms. Um, for the most part, <laughs> um, we could. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's a, that's a thing a lot of people I mean, I hate don't. using condoms. One I do. won't lie. <laughs> yeah. Or they suck. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't want to promote that, like, on a political level. I want people to protect themselves. And it's exercise important safe sex. for us to bring up the point that condoms are usually, um, they're usually a factor in discussions of, or they can be a factor in discussions about consent. So mm-hmm. maybe two people both want to have sex with each other, but one person wants to have sex with a condom and the other one doesn't. And the person who does want to use a condom can kind of get steamrolled or coerced into doing it without it. So mm-hmm. um, having really pro-condom discussions and language and, and being really empowered to say that you're not willing to have sex without a condom is definitely something that um, we should be teaching people how to do. And mm-hmm. that's something that, I you know, that's a really important reason to have really good thorough sexual education that is not abstinence focused because uh, that discussion is not going to be present in that kind of sex ed so right healthy communication yeah Yeah. open dialogue i I mean like these statistics were pretty mind-blowing for me to just be like oh do you know 100 people probably one of them has Mm. gonorrhea i know people that have gonorrhea yeah i i no one has admitted to me that they have gonorrhea i like to had yeah i guess in the past yeah, but this is at any point in time. At yeah. any point in time, approximately 0.7% of the people that you know have gonorrhea. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I have so many questions. I know we're just at, like, the intro layer right now. I know. Um, so g- gonorrhea spreads mostly um, through uh, vaginal, anal, or oral sex, and it is prevented by... Uh, abstinence, if that is what you choose to do, or if you choose to be sexually active by using a condom, and also by limiting your number of sexual partners to one person or something fairly monogamous. The symptoms of it are a lot of what you are more or less like traditional symptoms of STIs, like thick, white, yellow, green, cloudy, or bloody discharge. Yeah. yeah. Um, pain or burning during urination, uh, heavy menstrual bre- bleeding or bleeding between periods. <laughs> heavy menstrual breeding. Bre- <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of my metal band. <laughs> Heavy menstrual bleeding or bleeding between periods, painful or swollen testicles if you're a person who has testicles, and if you have um, an anorectal infection of gonorrhea, you're going to have anal itching and painful bowel movements and discharge and bleeding from your butt as well. Whoa. And you can also be infected um, in your throat with an oral infection. 
in which case you're going to have a very sore throat and I would also assume um, the potential for some like pustules and discharge from there as well. I have to say today's the first day that I thought about anal itching for the like first time in my life, I you, think. That, I, is it safe to assume <laughs> then that you've never had anal I itching? Guess not not like internal anal oh, itching yeah. oh, okay. versus like, I mean, you got hairs that get tangled up. I, yeah, I mean, everyone's butthole itches sometimes. Right. I was about to be like, but I like tons of anal <laughs> itching. Yeah, no, like in the same way that you like when we get to my topic, um, inside of your vagina itching. That's a Whoa. thing. Like, but yeah, I guess <sighs> anal itching would feel similarly. That sounds really awful. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine like all the things that I would want to like stick up there to scratch. Right. What's like <laughs> that extra long back scratcher comb, but yeah. for Just anal itching? Oh, man. <laughs> when, like I, one time. when I broke my one wrist wrong. and I had my whole arm in a cast, I definitely oh, had girl. a scratching stick to yeah. stick up in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. What would your butt scratching stick look like? It's got to have a flared bottom. Perfect. <laughs> to start. Because it's not safe if there's not a right. flared base. Okay. I almost want to think of something with like a silicon like texture to it to be able oh, to catch yeah. in something. Oh, what are like, those things that you like baste like a, a turkey tongue. with? <gasps> yeah. <laughs> a a baster? baster? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm barely not a cook. <laughs> not yeah exactly you can't like, go with like a kitchen instrument like, what about like a totally. like, like a and bottle brush or something no yes. that sounds really painful <laughs> and not sanitary Soft how do you one? clean that yeah well i'm well, I just, just don't clean a bottle afterwards. <laughs> it's not a multi-purpose bottle tool anymore single <laughs> purpose bottle brush or like the the <laughs> ikea brush. uh like uh, what are they called? The dish, dish brush? brush that has the oh, suction cup yes, that on just the sticks on the counter. <laughs> I do not think that flange is large enough to be butt safe. Oh. Um, according well, to my memory. <laughs> no, I'm just. I think butt safe is supposed to be at least like two inches wide, right? Uh, also, we'll have to ask uh, future uh, podcast guests that we'll have at some point. If there's a better term than butt safe, please let me know. <laughs> a, a butter term than butt safe? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I kind of forgot where I was at. Um, Anal itching. Oh, yeah. How yeah. could I forget? If you are a man, you have a way higher chance of showing symptoms um, like your painful, swollen testicles and your discharge is a lot easier to notice. And I think because penises are, are less likely to discharge things anyways, it, it's going to be a lot more obvious that something's wrong. But that being said, I thought that the CDC's recommendations for testing were really interesting. Hmm. Um, and that is that, well, okay, so if you are a gay man or a bi man or a, a man that has sex with men in any capacity... Um, they recommend that you get tested once a year because your chance of contracting is higher. It seems like you mm. your chance of contracting is a lot higher if you are, uh, for lack of a better word, on the receiving end of sex rather than the or the penetrated the penetrated end mm-hmm. of sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and a um, a man who is on the penetrating end of sex has approximately a twenty percent chance of contracting gonorrhea in a, a single um, sexual encounter, whereas a, a woman or a receiving partner, partner? Yeah. yeah, 
um, has a 60 to 80 percent chance of (laughs) contracting during a single sexual encounter. So that's like quite a difference, three or four times more. So the CDC also recommends that women under the age of 25 or older women with uh, multiple sexual partners get tested every year. But there are no guidelines for testing straight men. Well, they're allowed to do whatever they want at any point in time. I, right. It's our fault if we get an STI. I was right. trying to figure out if it's just like the, the straight men, or men in general, are so much likely to, so much more likely to show symptoms that they'll probably notice those before they would get tested anyways. Or if, I, I don't know. Right. Wouldn't you just recommend that, I mean, isn't it pretty common to recommend that sexually active people People. with multiple partners get tested once a year anyways? Yeah. Yeah. Also, just, I mean, sometimes you're not really checking in with how everything's going down there. Especially now in the age of phones, if you can pee one-handed and just, like, kind of check in with what's going on Twitter (laughs) over here, like, maybe you're not even doing a visual scan. I There was a lot of gendered language that came up in this research today, and uh-huh. it's very interesting to touch on this and a lot of the testing and just the visibility of that in the space of, like, what? Absolutely. Yeah, or the way that people still talk about these things. Totally. Um, I don't know. I'll save mine for when I <laughs> talk about my stuff. I have stuff, a soapbox to stand on But there are a later. few yeah, things that I, uh-huh. I get myself into, like, a false sense of security i think where mm. i think that like people are more intelligent and liberated than they oh, actually no. are <laughs> and i'm like we're in a day and age oh, where like teen vogue exists and mm-hmm. like you know women don't always shave their armpits and da 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 and like but no there are still people on television saying the dumbest fucking shit totally and i can't even believe it well i mean it's so much easier to get a platform now than it used to be that i think that 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 problem is just kind of compounding all oh. the time. Oh, absolutely. Well, and even just think, I was trying to think of my body checking things today. <laughs> and just in realizing like how much information that I feel like I have from my mom, who's just mm-hmm. carrying her information then from maybe the 70s or 80s and just yeah. like body language, how much of that stuff's been disproven or debunked <laughs> or like turned yeah. over where I'm just like oblivious to what I need to research and check up on too. Yeah. I, I feel like that th- just having this regular discussion for our podcast has has helped me do check-ins <laughs> totally. like outside yeah. of this. Or, like, if something's weird, like, I'm way more likely to make a note of it so I can tell people about it mm-hmm. than I am to make a note of it, like, for my own personal health. Yeah. Which is probably a bad sign. But I don't know. So I guess when we do our body check-ins, we're also encouraging you to check in. Audience of nine or ten. Mm-hmm. You can check in with us <laughs> if grown. you want, but just do your own check-in. Just think mm-hmm. about it. And, you know, if it turns out you have gonorrhea or something, then, like, we did our job. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But on that note, too, it's actually really good to do that for your mental health uh, because Mm -hmm. usually uh, your emotions will manifest in a physical manner. And um, often you become more in touch with your emotions once you start focusing on what's going on with your body. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. know that but that makes sense Mm -hmm. a really good way to like deal with anxiety um like issues or uh people having panic attacks is to start to focus on different elements of your like sort of what's going on internally physically body scan i was gonna talk about that because like the last time 
the last couple times I've had a panic attack, like, I've definitely tried to do that, but I'm way more likely to focus on, like, my breathing and then, like, start panicking more that I'm not breathing. I'm hyperventilating well still. Or the right way. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I almost need, like, a coach or somebody to be like, think about what your feet are doing no, right yeah, now. Yeah, actually, that's mm-hmm. really helpful to have somebody else be able to ask you. Or, like, even they say they, the proverbial they, uh, like, just grounding yourself of, like, standing with both feet mm-hmm. on the ground and, mm-hmm. like, uh, having even weight on both of your feet and then taking two deep breaths, uh, like, really works immensely well for a lot of people who might be freaking out. Mm-hmm. Especially for me, because I'm really likely to be, like, contorted up in a strange position, like a chicken on a chair, mm-hmm. like, with <laughs> really poor posture and stuff, so... <laughs> It's nice to have that, like, in your pocket as something to think about and be like, okay, I, at least I can get, like, stand up straight. And, right. And, and that Uncross my bit. legs, get some circulation going. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because when I heard about that, I realized that I had been doing that before I took anybody, like, back to a room to do advocacy counseling. I realized that it was totally already a natural habit of mine. Mm-hmm. But, like, before I would open the door, to, like, to our lobby, I would stand there for a second and I would just take two deep breaths. And I realized I was just, like, naturally getting myself into this, like, mode of being present. Mm -hmm. And, like, when I took a training and they talked about that, I was like, cool. My body just kind of, like, knew to do that. Yes. And be in tune. I do that, like, before I go into meetings at work. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's a calming mechanism. It is. And I also just think it's it's almost like a a palate cleanser for your Mm -hmm. brain, too. I need yeah. that a lot of the time. Anyway, do you want to keep talking about genitalia? Yes. <laughs> Back to the good stuff. Okay. So um, if left untreated or if your treatment is so far unsuccessful, um, gonorrhea can progress to a bunch of different things. If you are a person with um, a uterus and ovaries it can create a lot of scar tissue in your fallopian Mm. tubes that actually block access to your ovaries and render you infertile or it can cause you to have um, an ectopic pregnancy which is where the um the fetus what is it before it's a fetus embryo Embryo. it can cause the embryo to implant in your fallopian tube instead Mm -hmm. of in your uterus Mm -hmm. um which can be deadly to the pregnant person i have nightmares about yeah totally and um ectopic pregnancies do not progress to term i it's possible that there are cases of that happening but like generally that is an emergency condition that right needs to be aborted as soon as you figure out it's going on yeah um because your fallopian tubes are not meant to handle that Mm-mm. um and it's also really painful <laughs> yeah if you are a person with testicles it can cause a lot of pain. It can cause this um, condition called epididymitis. Sure. Epididymitis, um, which is even more painful and can result in infertility in you as well. And if you are a male-bodied person, it can increase your risk of prostate cancer as well. Uh, if, you are pro- if you are a prostate haver, if you are, if you are in possession of a prostate, it, it can increase your risk of prostate cancer. One of the things that I like about this podcast, though, does make me realize how much 
Like, just our <laughs> language is limited. And, we and how bad we are at fixing it on the fly. Yeah. No. And, like, even though I consider myself, like, somebody who's, like, not only, like, a gender weirdo and somebody who's very conscious of these things. And even still, it's just, like, this is the easy way to talk about it. And, like, yeah, you're so, like, not you, but the general you is so used to, you know, using male, female. And then when we realize that oh wait that's not including everybody when i say right. male to mean penis and female to mean vagina right or i i keep reverting to like female body or male body but that's the wrong term to use that's the opposite of what i should be saying assigned totally. female yeah or but even there's like conversations about that i feel like we haven't found a terminology that everyone's well, cool I think, with i think prostate haver yeah. was pretty appropriate totally yeah no i like that i yeah i've been trying to switch to like people with vaginas yes or I, people with penises i yeah. was thinking about this a lot today and i was very pumped like yes katie and i were on the same brain brain wavelength <laughs> with it like because that's totally i don't want to ever like especially with the assigned comment like remove anyone's autonomy and being mm-hmm. able yeah. to like, identify themselves and mm-hmm. it's interesting to think about that in terms of also a world of pronoun people awareness. with prostates is like it's a good thing that we have this <laughs> guard for our pop filter <laughs> pop filter for the people with prostate uh-huh. <laughs> thank you fancy makeshift studio <laughs> anyways um also if left untreated gonorrhea will spread through you it will disseminate through your body systemically <gasps> Um, so it can get into your bloodstream, um, and kill you. It can get into your, your, uh, your joint fluid and your joint tissues and cause septic arthritis. What? Um, joint infection and inflammation. Apparently that can also kill you. Although I couldn't find exactly how, um, that's something that sounds like really interesting. And I could find like almost no information on it that was, um, not in a medical journal yes. <laughs> of 163 pages. <laughs> it can cause inflammation in your heart, endocarditis, and uh, meningitis as well, which is an acute infl- acute inflammation of not your brain, but like the protective layer membrane? of tissues around your brain and your spinal cord. Membrane, yeah. What? Um, and then it also causes standard pustules and petechia which I didn't, that's a new word for me, that is when you bleed, like, into your skin. Oh. Like, from the end of a capillary. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's a type. There's, like, different types of bleeding into your skin, which I didn't know about. I don't know. I like how we were just talking about not looking at pictures, and I'm like, I want to know what that looks like. (laughs) It looks like... (laughs) Slowly driving the phone off the table. (laughs) It looks like little purple dots under your skin, Mm -hmm. or it looks like a pustule that is filled with purpley black fluid instead of Mm -hmm. yellowish whitish fluid. What if I had something like that and I wouldn't be able to tell because I have too many tattoos? (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) It would be raised as well. Are you, I guess, well, I don't know. I don't think that that in and of itself is harmful. It's it's just a, a symptom of further harm. Um, and it seems to happen in like a, a large uh, swath of skin at the same time. So oh. if it happened like all over your tattoo, you'd probably notice. Yeah, probably. Yeah. If you are a pregnant person with gonorrhea, you, there's a very high likelihood of you passing it onto your fetus because 
the infection infection will transfer into the amniotic fluid and mm-hmm. um, into the umbilical cord, mm. and the that doesn't mean that the fetus will die necessarily because they would treat the the fetus and its carrier <laughs> at the same time with antibiotics. But a baby can also contract gonorrhea in its eyes oh, no. in yes. the birth canal. <laughs> yes. Um, and that I think oh. is also definitely treatable. But adults can get it in their eyes as well um and it's it's a type of <laughs> conjunctivitis or like gonorrhea in other parts of your body can lead to like gonorrheal conjunctivitis in your eyes um which can also lead to blindness whoa and mm. if you're pregnant with gonorrhea it it like you can be treated but it can also cause a septic abortion um which is kind of what it sounds like (laughs) (laughs) okay so something else that was interesting for me doing this research today was thinking like I always like thinking about weird um things that people are superstitious about like walking under a ladder was Mm. probably also just a common sense thing if someone had like a bucket of paint you don't want to like knock it off and get okay right so (laughs) what are some of the weird sex things that are like weird tropes of like this and this is why you don't have sex before you're married like because I know, like, you're not supposed to masturbate because your palms will start getting, getting warts hairy. on them or hairy, right? Yeah. And then were there things about going blind at all? Like, or is um, that more of a moonshine no, yeah, thing yeah, I'm thinking no, 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 about? No. If you masturbate, you can go blind. It's like in the Bible or something. <sighs> because everyone has gonorrhea on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, if that many of us are infected, like, they're – well, I think that, that – the tally, the 820,000 people in the United States, that yeah. probably also includes people with latent infections. Totally. Um, which means people who are not showing any symptoms at all. But I, it, gonorrhea must be everywhere, though. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So one thing that I, I noticed in this, this conversation is that a couple mm-hmm. of my sources referred back to the fact that condom use has been decreasing over the last couple of decades in I don't know if that's because condoms are just, like, not a, a lucrative industry and people are not putting very much money into making, like, newer, better, more appealing condoms. <sighs> or if we just have this, like, massive millennial malaise and we all know that we're going to die and we <laughs> care less about how or when it happens. Right. Um, I always thought it would be because like, – the reasoning behind that might be because AIDS is less, like – recent yeah and so i think the generation before us is was alive for mm-hmm. uh like their friends dying mm-hmm. yeah. um and i other than a couple celebrities don't actually know anyone who has aids or hiv yeah and whereas like my mom went to college with people that died of hiv or yeah. or AIDS eventually. Yeah, yeah, I guess we're pretty used to the idea that like whatever we would contract sexually, it's something that can be treated with a course of antibiotics. Yeah. Which is an interesting point because this is part of why I wanted to talk about gonorrhea. Mm-hmm. Gonorrhea is like um, kind of on the frontier of antibiotic resistance at this point. Ooh, yeah, scary. It, it is what <laughs> a lot of doctors are predicting is going to become like one of the first bacterial infections to become completely resistant to all of the antibiotics that we have to throw Whoa. at it. Whoa. And that will likely happen in our lifetimes. Yep. Ah. Um, so in the 90s and the two, like, 
way back when it used to be treated with penicillin. Hmm. And it mutated and became resistant to that um, at some point in the, the um, 20th century. And in the 90s and the 2000s, I think also we had antibiotics that were uh, – um, that worked better than penicillin. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the 90s and the 2000s, they were using um, fluoroquinolone, and that started to become resistant in the 2000s. Um, as of 2000, was it? Um, there were two types of cephalosporins that they were using, and as of 2012, one of them stopped being effective. So Whoa. currently, we only have one treatment Whoa. for gonorrhea, which is a, um, a dual course of an injection, um, ceftriaxone, uh, as well as taking an oral course of azithromycin. You have to take hmm. both of them, and you have to take a, a kind of a lot of both of them. And they're already detecting resistance to the ceftriaxone, which is the, the last type of cephalosporin left. And so Whoa. it's still treatable with ceftriaxone. You have to take a lot of it. But in studying the um, in studying the bacteria, they are able to see that it is mutating and is developing resistance to it. So they don't know how much longer it's going to be effective. Wow, man. So we are on the verge. And there is a new type of antibiotic that I didn't write down the name of that is a totally new class of antibiotic. Sounds real sexy. They think it's going to work, but um, it takes a long time to study these things. And part of the reason that we don't have a ton of new antibiotics for um, antibiotic-resistant bacteria is because it it takes longer to study them and get them approved and produce them than it does for things to become resistant to them. Mm, So not only is it hard to keep up with, but it is not an attractive thing for companies to try to do. It is not lucrative. Um, so that is one of the reasons that we were just kind of like running out of antibiotics to try. Um, but one thing that they have figured out recently is that the bacteria Neisseria gonorrhea, which is its formal name, is really closely related to Neisseria meningitis, (laughs) meningitis, but the, the bacteria that gives you meningitis, they are like 80 to 90% genetically similar. And they have figured out that there is some cross-protection from gonorrhea in meningococcal vaccines. So um, that is one thing that they are researching. So it could also be in our near future that we can get vaccinated against gonorrhea. Whoa. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I was thinking that, like, maybe, I don't know, that, like, sometimes it seems like these kind of infections are part of maybe – curing overpopulation yeah <laughs> and then i totally. have the thought that is it that condom use is down or is it condom sales uh what i was reading said hmm. condom use because my other thought is you know how it's like a supposedly uh like millennials aren't having as much sex that uh, and especially uh in non-american countries and there are huge groups of uh, young people mm-hmm. who are abstaining from sex, not from, like, a moral point of view, but, like, just basically, like, they're not interested in coupling. They're not really mm-hmm. interested in sex. They're more focused on their career or mm-hmm. personal development. Yeah, exactly. And so I wonder, 
I mean, I like to think that a part of that is just sort of like psychologically humans are no longer driven to reproduce in the yeah, same way. Totally. And like there's some sort of like, I don't know, connection with the universe <laughs> or it's like some sort of thing like that or just our sort of group evolution that yes. individuals are affected by uh, in some sort of way psychologically. And so I, I don't know. I think I'm interested if this is like people aren't buying condoms because they're not having sex. Well, I think um, if not as many people are having sex, that would lead you to the conclusion that um, gonorrhea rates are increasing among the people who are having sex. Yeah. If it has stayed constant or increased in our population as a whole. Mm-hmm. So at least among that group, condom use is going down or maybe mm. the sort of people who are abstaining from sex were the type to use condoms. So the leftover population is, is tending or, or the, the, the population of non-condom users within that group is, is growing relatively Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of possible variables, yeah. But that all relates to like way more than just gonorrhea. There's yeah, like totally. a lot of other um, STIs that are are on the rise and are also becoming antibiotic resistant. Mm-hmm. Um, and one last thing about uh, clap or the drip, <laughs> as it is oh, known. I do not slang. like the drip. The drip. Nope. Oh, I no. kind of like it. <laughs> I mean, I like it from, like, a that's disgusting and well, yeah. kind of way, but, like, from the, like, perspective of getting it, yeah. I don't want anything to drip. Mm-mm. I feel like there's so much that just drips anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, if you have gonorrhea, there is a 46 to 54% chance that you have a co-infection of chlamydia. Huh. And that is among Whoa. young people. I was really excited to find out that I am still considered a young person because it is <laughs> yeah. people of ages 14 through 39 years old. Still nice. young. Still young. <laughs> For seven more years. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Um, speaking of chlamydia. <laughs> welcome, welcome, friends, to this corner of the round table here. <laughs> Um, as we're discussing chlamydia, which is, I'm glad you left some space for this. We're catching up with our spoiler here. Um, (laughs) apparently the most common sexually transmitted disease in the United States. So thank you, both of you, dear friends, for letting me take number one here. I appreciate that. Only the best best for a guest. Oh, I love it. Um, so I learned a lot about chlamydia today. Um, I actually just went and got my annual exam uh, for my STI and STD test done last month and was happy to see chlamydia clear. Um, And especially after learning today uh, some of what is going on real pumped, uh, kind of doubled down on that like little pat on the back there. Good work. (laughs) Um, So chlamydia is actually from the Greek word meaning cloak. And something that um, that I kind of wanted to lead in with that because a lot of times it sounds like a lot of folks don't have symptoms or show symptoms. Like specifically uh, kind of thinking about it as like the silent epidemic in the mm. STI world because like some of uh, 70 to 80 percent of women specifically are 
women-bodied folks or ovary-having folks uh, (laughs) don't have any symptoms. And that can last for months. It can last for years, it sounds like. So that's Mm. interesting to think about your body kind of like just having this bacteria inside of it. For years? For years. Whoa. And I was thinking a lot, like, yeah, there's just so many different factors, hormonal, environmental, like what is going on in your body that's like either shutting this down or making it happen. So chlamydia is specifically a bacteria that infects the mucous membranes of the body. So this is any place you could be putting a vodka tampon. (laughs) Which is the other thing I think about with mucous membranes. Um, In your nose. In your nose. Um, I actually don't know if you can get chlamydia in your nose. That didn't come up. Um, We could try. Yeah. (laughs) Gross podcast becomes a a brave pioneering field and like voluntary. I'm not right. My nose hasn't recovered from grass yet. I have a weird pimple at the end inside. Of my nose. It's like inside outside. Oh, that's the painful worst. Yeah, it sucks. Right where my nose is. Oh, thousand. Wait, can we make a slight diversion back to body <laughs> check-ins? It's yes. I bought a blackhead vacuum. <gasps> <laughs> it's a tiny vacuum that <laughs> sucks the blackheads out of your pores. Do you love it? Well, it doesn't work like. A hundred percent as well as I was hoping. Yeah, you look But great. it definitely pulls some stuff out. Yeah. It is a fun tool. Question one. Do you get to look at the stuff oh, that yes. then comes out? Okay, Ooh. good. So you it, know what you're getting. I, ha- I haven't gotten any actual, like, big blackheads out. It's just, it's kind of pulling out the the standard white sebaceous plugs. Yeah. But I think I also haven't been doing a good enough job of, like, steaming my face first, which you're supposed to do to loosen everything up. Okay. And also, open it up. Also, there's this little trick that I've watched Dr. Pimple Popper do. Yes! Where she just, she just kind of pricks a blackhead with a needle huh. before she squeezes it out. And because I think there's there's just kind of like a little protective layer yeah. of film over the, the top that it totally. kind of creates. That makes sense. Like when your earring hole kind of slightly grows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have so to like I re-pierce think it. maybe mm-hmm. if I were to do that first with a select number of blackheads, mm-hmm. that might make the blackhead vacuum more effective. I will report back. <laughs> I do have a specific like sewing pin that I have with a Bic lighter oh, yeah. in my bathroom kit. Me too. It's like, yeah. yeah I think everyone pores. does. Okay, good. <laughs> I I'm here for that conversation always. Sorry, back no. to chlamydia. No, I mean now back to chlamydia. <laughs> From our sponsors, Dr. Pimple Popper gonna be a sponsor on this oh, podcast, I wish. please. Um okay, so I'm actually I'm really excited that you went first too, Katie, because there it's interesting to think about these two kind of being like some common STI things because it seems like they have a lot of really common symptoms involved too. Um so from one of, like, some of the research that I did, okay, not in the nose, we'll, or at least I can't report, I can neither confirm nor <laughs> deny at this time that chlamydia can exist in your nose, mucous membranes, um, but primarily uh, in, like, a vaginal, anal, or, like, in that penile space, I guess, front genital space, um, and then also in an oral space as well, which is <sighs> tough. Um If you have a a uterus, you're looking for, like, some of your signs of showing that you have chlamydia are, like, your abnormal or smelly discharge, which was interesting and kind of thinking about, like, the discoloration maybe, but then also what that smell is like. I couldn't find anything specifically to let me know, like, what what kind of, yeah, if it's, like, an ammonia smell, if it's something that's really, like, curdy. 
Hmm. I know that's not a, that's not a texture word. <laughs> Gross podcast contest. <laughs> Let's take votes on what chlamydia discharge might smell like. Do you think that, that these different STIs have a, a, a smell that is unique to that bacteria? Oh, I would think so. Right. Or do you think that our infected <gasps> flesh or our pus has it, its own smell? Like, like it's still... Do you think that mm. chlamydia and gonorrhea discharge smells the same? Or do you think like a dog could tell the difference? Or a reaction to your own smell and your own yeah. kind of like yeah. chemicals then too. Yeah. I don't know. Whoa. Dogs are definitely doing that research though. Because literally every time <laughs> I hang out with a dog, it tries to put its nose in my vagina. <laughs> Maybe that is how all these straight men are getting tested. Just dogs <laughs> Dogs know. <laughs> Maybe everyone should have a dog and train it to like smell chlamydia. <gasps> and then yes. when you like have Finally. a sex partner, then you can like be like, hold on a second. Let me get my dog out. Just comes and takes one silent lap around the partner. Finally, use for all those dogs on Tinder. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That sounds like that's a. That's a new cat cafe idea, y'all. <laughs> I think Take your date here. We'll check it for <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> no need for insurance. Bonus Just come in for a flat fee. <laughs> Who let the dogs out? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Responsible advocates for hope. Um, okay. So, yeah, you're looking at your smelly discharge. Um, everybody uh, across the board is going to have, like, a burning sensation when they pee or potentially itching around, like, their sexual openings. Mm-hmm. But uh, penis havers in particular can also have uh, pain and swelling in the testicles. And this is interesting. So I had, like, a couple – I went – a couple different sites I went to, and it seems like everybody was kind of either taking CDC – like Centers for Disease Control or some of the other sites and kind of across the board. Um, So this one line came up that said, pain or swelling in one or both testicles, though this is less common. And I was very interested to know if it was more common to just have one testicle versus both. And is it more likely the right or the left? Right. Does that have to do? Yeah. Who knows? I know. It's crazy. If you have had chlamydia and pain or swelling <laughs> in one testicle, please reach out and let us know. Exactly. For more than four hours. At grosspodcast at gmail.com. We'll refer you to proper uh, feline detection services or canine detection services. Um, oh, that was my favorite thing that I did find out about chlamydia today. I want everyone to know chlamydia is a bacteria that can only happen in humans. There are and cannot be cat cases of chlamydia. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. What about other animals that are not cats? What about apes? Right. Or other mammals then and just in that space. Okay. So then here's the other thing. So chlamydia can definitely be transferred back uh, between like sexual contact. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's since it's in that mucous membrane, like the bacteria itself, um, it can also then like come into contact with like your hands or your fingers, um, towels or clothing or mm-hmm. other things. And so it can also be uh, transferred uh, through childbirth as well. And similar to gonorrhea, have some eye uh, situations or issues. Um, and apparently chlamydia, like up until like 2000 or 2003, was one of the leading causes of blindness in the world because oh. it would create this specific thing that I did not write down. Um, <laughs> that was a case that was kind of related to conjunctivitis, but just like could legitimately like cause blindness in a space. So as 
like sanitation and cleanliness and other things have increased in the 20th century and other space. Like, I guess that's gotten better, but, um, you can also have like a chlamydia pneumoniae is like oh. the other bacteria thing. So that's kind of part of the like oral and throat space is getting into like your bronchial cavity too. Yeah. So you're feeling a lot of the sore throat, a lot of the closed and tightness, just kind of running that fever, having like swelling of your lymph nodes and some of that pus and stuff. But then thinking about it as like a chest infection. Um, so that's one of the ways that it impacts babies specifically that are coming through a birth canal that has an mm. infection. It's like going through the blindness or through a like pneumonia space, which is crazy. Uh, so one other thing that I thought was also really interesting about chlamydia coming up was um, in these different spaces in your body, of course, you're going to have testing that's coming out in different ways. Like you're going to have your vaginal swab or an anal swab, or you can have a swab through your urethra um, or do like a urine test for anything that's in kind of that front zone. But like a vaginal swab isn't going to be able to tell and see if you do have a chlamydia infection in your throat due to like Mm. oral sex or the exchange of fluid that way too. So if you're worried about something kind of in that sexual partner space, you have to have it tested separately in all of the spaces where it could have come into interactions, which is like. That's a lot of Q-tips. That's a lot. (laughs) And it's just a lot for your doctor to know and kind of like be looking for too. Because if this doesn't have a lot of symptoms or a lot of folks are showing up as asymptomatic, then you're totally going to have this space of like, do I just have a sore throat? Am I just having like abdominal pain? Like what's Mm -hmm. going on with me and what's happening here? So yeah, the other, my other big point on chlamydia was uh, like teenage women uh, or like female body folks are apparently the most susceptible to chlamydia because your cervix is not fully developed like oh. or fully formed and so it doesn't have the, as much bacterial resistance as it does later oh. in your life and that was so interesting i wonder if that's true of other things totally yeah uh, like other stis or yeah uh, yeah i would is it okay it's not as resistant is that like a um just like in its physical structure or is that sort of like your personal flora right and thinking about your body just coming into contact with enough different kinds of bacteria to have yeah. that resistance mm. built up over time so does that so mean you that should have a lot of sex the more people you have sex ASAP. with the more resistant you yes and safely <laughs> no i don't know but thinking about it from that evolutionary biology standpoint of like as all of these bacterias and little guys are like growing and changing over time then like how are our bodies getting to react and combat that? And, like, does it become a selectionary point of, like, we have to become stronger and more resistant as everything else around mm. us becomes more resistant as well? I wholeheartedly believe in that. I heartwarmingly believe in that. <laughs> it warms my heart warms. Um, so some folks uh, – like, chlamydia didn't seem to have as much of, like, the bacterial-resistant thing, but it seems like you're doing, like, a seven-day stretch of either azithromycin in that similar gonorrhea space um, or doxycycline, mm-hmm. which is one I haven't taken before. I've done a lot of azithromycin oh. for pneumonia and smoking-related stuff, so pretty familiar. <laughs> I was on doxycycline <laughs> earlier this year oh, because wow. um, I had, a, a, as far as I know, just some sort of abdominal infection. Oh, shit. And I got a shot of something and in my butt. Whoa! <laughs> it hurt. My butt was really tender for, like, a couple of days. It hurt to sit down. And oh, then shit. I was also on doxycycline. So I was trying to figure out, kind of, in this research, I was like, what did they think I have? Or, like, what bases were they trying to cover? Yeah. Because um, it sounds like they didn't think I had gonorrhea. 
But it's totally possible that they thought I might have had chlamydia, although totally. they didn't tell me I did, and I had no symptoms. But yeah, yeah, go on. Part please. of the silent killer, man. Yeah. Mm. Um. Well, so in in a Bellingham space, um, I did find a couple of websites that had a lot of herbal remedies for chlamydia <laughs> and gonorrhea, and thinking about kind of the like life cycle of these bacteria and really being able to go back like was kind of getting in it with myself or like why do I have this feeling of superiority for antibiotics then compared to like mm. some of these alternatives mm. that were offered by ehomeremedies.com <laughs> <laughs> which actually I would like to say was also one of the most like sex positive and like nice. not focusing on abstinence as the fir- like primary method of reducing these things, which again, like if they're sexually transmitted, I guess, but let's talk about safe sex instead of just like not skipping it at all. Because mm-hmm. I'm here on this page. Obviously, I have not paid attention to that first thing <laughs> that you're telling me and showing me. Also, I feel like it's like, oh, hey, you want to avoid the cold? How about you don't go outside and you don't breathe? Mm-hmm. Like... Don't touch any surfaces. That that would also help you not get a cold. Yeah, exactly. So eHome Remedies, thanks for, like, talking about uh, also promoting healthy communication with your partners was the other thing that I was very down with. But um, some of the herbal remedies that came up that I was also really interested in was uh, garlic apparently being just a good antibacterial, Mm anti-inflammatory. You have to eat three to four cloves of garlic a day for, like, seven to ten days. Did it specify Mm. fresh or... No, it did not. And it also uh, said that you can take, like, the garlic capsules, but it has to be three to four cloves worth of capsules. And I was very interested by, like, I feel like that's, like, seven to ten powdered capsules, potentially. That's a lot. That's a lot of garlic to be having in you. Yeah, but, I mean... (laughs) You could just go eat, like, a basket of garlic fries and be done. No problem. You think so? If it can be cooked. But sometimes these things specify it has to be fresh. Right. A little harder. And not cooking out and not dealing with that. Um, Okay, so one of the other ones uh, was focusing on echinacea that you could take in tabs or as a tincture, which would focus on, like, the lymph health and then also your white blood cell count. So, like, this is all stuff that's just good for you anyway. Yeah. But I was interested in thinking about it as, like, are you either building up your immune system to just have your immune system fight it or are these things specifically focusing on the chlamydia, like, bacteria itself? Um, so some of the other ones were drinking sage tea um, and golden seal tablets or a douche. And golden seal is a small leafy guy, it looks like. So you're either having these tablets twice a day for like 10 days or douching with this serum that was like uh, mortar and pestle, golden seal with like some salt and warm water all coming together. Um, and then drinking turmeric, of course, also good anti-inflammatory. Great for everything. Great for everything. I mean, that's just general, good, good general stuff to have in your body and thinking about it anyway, too. But thinking about, yeah, seven to ten days of, like, sage tea sounds a lot better than azithromycin and having the weird, like, steroid sweat energy of, like, overturning a car (laughs) while curing your body and you should be resting. That would help me get a lot of yard work done. Yes. Little, just some mild (laughs) stimulant action going. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where I, where I went in with chlamydia, just kind of through, you know, your, your run of the mill Wikipedia headings, going through (laughs) your main symptoms, your main signs and spaces. I do know people who've had chlamydia. I don't know anybody, nobody has come to me when they have had gonorrhea, but I I did have a friend 
let me in on it when she had chlamydia, and hers did progress to pelvic inflammatory disease. Yes. Which um, she struggled with for a couple of years. So the moral of that story is don't sleep with anyone who works at Red Robin. (laughs) (laughs) And get checked for STDs regularly. Yes, even if you're still with your same partner. Mm-hmm. It's just an important thing to do. Yeah. Um, on, I feel like it was a decent segue with uh, herbal remedies because yes. I feel like actually, though, my whole thing is going to be a rant against herbal remedies <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and natural cures. So I looked into yeast infections, which, as I said, is not considered an STI, but is often sexually transmitted. It's different than BV, which I don't remember what the bacterial <laughs> vaginosis. Bacterial vaginosis. And this, I actually learned something through doing this research yes. that uh, I realized that when I thought about it, I was like, I don't know what the difference between a fungus and bacteria is. I didn't really know that. I was like, I know those are two different things. But then I was like, huh. I couldn't really tell you. (laughs) But so yeast infection is a fungal infection, but BV is a bacterial infection. So then I went on this rabbit hole of like all the differences between fungi and bacteria. And they're kind of, they are kind of like similar in that they're like both small organisms. But uh, one big difference is that uh, fungi have a nucleus. I can't say that word. Nucleus? Nucleus. <laughs> I want to say it the wrong way. Nucleus. Um, and bacteria don't have a nucleus. Hmm. Uh, Good job. Yeah. yeah. That was good. <laughs> uh, and there's a bunch of other things with words that I'll be even worse at pronouncing that... Uh, <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts about this podcast, though, is like, okay, like, thank you so much for, like, researching it, even if you rehearse it before and, like, still just, like, oh, don't no, we don't. I don't rehearse anything. <laughs> well, if you want to hear me fuck up words, um, I could point out that fungi are eukaryotes and bacteria, you, and bacteria are prokaryotes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Which I don't know what either of those are. Uh, it's a, a classification <laughs> in the tree of life. Sure. And there's seven of those, right? Aren't there seven layers? Um, seven of something. Mm-hmm. Like I don't your think genus, these... class, or species. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, genus? yeah. Something like that. Maybe. Yeah. Um, yep. This prompted a lot of other research. I have a yeah. list, like on the next page after this notebook. <laughs> like, right? Because these podcasts can really be like four hours long. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But... Oh. We well, gotta save some content for later. Exactly. If you didn't know, bacteria are single-celled, whereas most fungi are multicellular. Uh-huh. Hmm. Except for yeast. Okay. Uh, um, yeast is single, single I guess. That's what it said. And they also uh, reproduce differently. Uh, bacteria reproduces sexually via what's called binary fission, uh, <laughs> which I could have looked up and explained more, but you have google out there in the world so feel free <laughs> uh but fungi are capable of reproducing both sexually and asexually Ooh. yeah so that's your little science uh lesson for the day so i have gotten a lot of yeast infections in my life me too <laughs> they are terrible hands up um and 
there was this one time, I felt like I would share a story about this one time that I went to Planned Parenthood, did the whole workup, and I had been sleeping around a lot that summer. So I was like fairly concerned that I was like being irresponsible and not wearing a condom. (laughs) One of the worst (laughs) kinds of anxiety, I think. Yeah. And so it was like a four day weekend. They called me at like 4.50 on Friday and left me a voicemail that was like, uh, we just want you to call us back as soon as you can. We want to let you know you have an abnormal abnormal pap smear. Uh, please call us back as soon as possible is like the voicemail that I get. So I'm freaking out. I can't call them for for three days. No. I call them on Tuesday and I'm like, oh my God, am I going to die? Do I have AIDS? And they're like, oh, you had a little bit of candida in your cervix and uh, you might have a yeast infection in the next couple days. We just want to give you a heads up. What? It's like, fuck you. <laughs> that could have been in the voicemail. <laughs> No, they couldn't give out medical information on the fucking voicemail. I feel like there's a box on the form you can check if yeah. they can call you at that number and then if you can no, disclose information no. when, in the so, voicemail. So they right? had to call me back and have a doctor reveal that to me. Oh, huh. Jiminy Christmas. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that should be like, it, like at some point, we're like we're going to be able to check a box that says like, please say whatever the fuck you want on my voicemail, right? Like, yeah. Just yeah. tell me what's going on. I, I need cannot, to know. I cannot pick up the phone and talk about this <laughs> no, at work. No, Please just leave me a voicemail and so also, that I can learn about it later. It's, yeah. as I learned, so normal that it should not be considered an abnormal, abnormal pap smear to have yeah. a yeast infection. What and I also didn't have a yeast infection. I just had some candida in my, like, vaginal cavity, which, as I learned, is really mm. fucking normal. Mm. And a lot of people with vaginas have candida in their like region with no symptoms at all it's really normal it's a bacteria or yeah fungus (laughs) fungus that lives on you in lots on lots of parts of your body it's really normal to have signs of that yeah so Planned Parenthood figure shit out um so or give me a two-day weekend to freak out on you know at least like save it next time or just leave me a voicemail yeah so I'm found out that over 90% of yeast infections are caused by the organism Candida albicans. And the first time I read this, I thought it said orgasm. Uh. And and I thought I was on some sort of like Christian website that was like, in women, the Candida is caused by orgasm. (laughs) And I was like, what? (laughs) No wonder. That's why I had so many yeast infections. (laughs) (laughs) But... It's not. It's an orgasm. Oh. Um, up to se- 75% of people with vaginas will have a yeast infection at some point in their life. And if you're that per- 25%, you are f-ing lucky. How? How are you? I am doing a very slow hand raise across no, the table here. No, I don't really? think I've ever had a yeast infection. Oh, I'm so jealous. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Oh, man. That, that probably means that you have a, a more naturally acidic vagina. That, I will say, is true. I feel like my smell is definitely on the, like, <laughs> <laughs> the tart side, I guess. What are, the it. variation of lip smacking is like its own rating system here. I don't know what it is, man. I'm like predestined for them. It's like <sighs> very alkaline environments Maybe. down there that are susceptible to yeast or, or are uh, um, environmentally 
the uh, muffin stores. for yeast growth. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I also read in like a women's magazine that, um, <laughs> <laughs> that it could be caused by eating lots of pasta, which I think is really just like fat phobia. Uh, totally. And I was like, but that could explain it since that's most of my diet. Yeah, I mean, well, yeast feeds on sugar. So the more carbohydrates your body processes, the higher likelihood that you can be harboring um, candida fungi. I do mm-hmm. eat a lot of sugar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went to Menchie's last night. Tough. Oh, yeah. Really Are you a chocolate or a fruity topping person? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Katie, do you want to answer that for me? Because uh-huh. Jessica is a peanut butter and chocolate topping person. <laughs> significant strawberries nice is probably the best way for you to eat sugar if you are avoiding actually yeah because frozen yogurt has probiotics in it mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yes yes in the presence of probiotics or um begets the presence of bacteria that feeds mm-hmm. off of yeast so yeah. you are promoting bacterial growth healthy bacterial growth that will actually keep away your fungal infection. So maybe Lean Secret is just she's a lot of froyo. I will say I feel like I do have a very fermentation heavy mm. diet, like a lot of pickled mm-hmm. things, a lot of yogurt, a lot of like probiotic drinks and kombuchas and things that like I think that like sometimes I feel like I almost have like a deficiency in mm. like some of my yeasty stuff in my body because I feel like I put so much active shit in there. Yeah, I th- my and theory is just that I have said a million times that I think I have overactive sweat glands in my vaginal area, Mm. and that is what I'm going to blame on why I've gotten Mm. so many yeast infections, because, like, since I was young, it just, every time I exercise, it's like, you know, some people get pit stains, I get a vagina stain. Like, it's like, (laughs) like, that's where all of my sweat goes, is out in between my legs. Totally. And those are the glands. Yeah, and I think that's really what's responsible for it. I have, if, for all the times we've worked out, I have never noticed you have. It's because I wear black pants. Okay. <laughs> this is intentional. <laughs> I wear I black like workout gear in for Anna's a reason. Class, we're doing all of these, like, very pelvic opening yeah. visually things. Yeah, but where, you can't really see on the black pants. Yeah, I guess. I, I should, you know, I always wear black pants as well, but mostly because that's because I'm terrified of peeing. And, <laughs> In class. Totally. <laughs> just losing a little bit of control. Yeah. Maybe I'll just pretend it's vagina sweat. Yeah. I'm just working really hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, so symptoms of yeast infections are itching, burning, discharge, pain while urinating, mm. redness, and swelling. Um, I mostly just get the itching and burning, and I don't get that much jitch- that much discharge. I don't mm. either. Uh, Lots of redness, though. And I always hear mm. it uh, described t- as, like, uh, cottage cheesy, which, when I have had discharge, right. that is not I would that is not how I would describe it. No. Like, I feel like all. a man came up with that. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I mean, That's, most... like, the number one thing that I think about as, yeah. like, my weird, like, outside-in view of, like, yeast infections is, like, your discharge is, like... Yeah. It's not. Thick. No, no. And I think that's part Chunky. of the problem, too, is that you're looking down there and you're like, God, it's cheesy. No, must yeah, not be a yeah. yeast infection. And right. the only time I would actually describe it as cottage cheesy is when you get the treatments done mm. and then you have this, like, lotion coming out of your vagina. Oh, wow. This suppository lotion. Yeah. Like a monistat treatment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you put it in there and it hangs out in there for, like, five minutes. 
Right. And then your vagina just squeezes it back out. So and like, it's all chunky, nasty lotion that actually looks like cottage cheese. Yeah, that looks more like cottage cheese, but it really just looks like lubriderm. Because it's just expelling whatever was in there, mm-hmm. kind of yeah, breaking down and soothing really... everything, absorbing. Yeah, because it's just the medication that's yeah. coming out. It's not the actual, like, discharge. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. And I swear by doing the Monistat thing and, like, especially the little eggs. Yeah. Rather that I've tried literally every natural remedy. I know some of them have worked for you. Nothing works for me except for the, like, like fucking extra Full strength. <laughs> Monistat. (laughs) The pills have worked, but you can only get those from a doctor, which I think is f***ing stupid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the patriarchy, because Mm -hmm. you should just be able to diagnose yourself. And OTC, yeah. Yeah, it's stupid. But to be fair, they will give out a prescription for Diflucan, which is the the, um, one-dose antifungal to treat yeast infections. They will give those out like candy. They do. You, pretty, you just go in, you tell them you have itching and burning, they do a very cursory look at your vagina, they're like, yes, it looks red and angry and upset. Here's a prescription, one for now, one for next time. Yeah, if you got a cool doctor, you'll get a couple refills yeah. in there too, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, they will also hand them out frequently to uh, vagina havers when you have to undergo a course of antibiotics. Yeah. Which hmm. um, will kill all of the bacteria that eat the yeast, so... <laughs> Um, I'm sure you, you'll probably talk more about that. I mean, what is what is going to be the outcome if people take too much of that? I mean, um, <laughs> why would they? Why do they limit it? Because you can have antifungal resistant oh. infections the same way that you can have antibiotic resistant infections, and we do have a lot of those. Okay, I don't believe that can like our our gen, general yeast infection causing candida. Um, fungus is is facing the same kind of antifungal resistance as as other types are, but they are very wary of over over prescribing for the same reasons. Mm. Because someday yeah. we could have resistant yeast infections. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, I also learned that there's a deadly mm-hmm. candida out there. What? <gasps> yeah, it's Don't not come. like really what causes yeast infections primarily, but it's uh, candida auris is. Uh, that's my been... metal band name. Also, I just want to <laughs> make sure I had one coming out. But it's been killing people, especially in hospitals, because, like, it's – if uh, people who are already pretty sick get it, then that can kind of be that, like, tipping point. Oh, snap. Yeah. Um, so I'm just having your body be susceptible. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to really identify, um, like, because I guess fungal infections can sound like other things. And so if you have a bunch of other stuff going on, you have a depleted immune system, then they won't necessarily think yeast infection right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And just like the other things that you guys were talking about, uh, yeast Yeast infections can happen in lots of areas of your body. So you can get it in your mouth and they call it thrush. What? And it gets in your mouth, uh, which is really gross I, to me. I, <laughs> I don't ever want a yeast infection in my mouth. No. I would lose like, my mind. If you're in the UK, I think I think thrush refers to yeast infection pretty much anywhere. But oh, really? I think you can also get thrush at piercing sites. Oh, yeah. Whoa. No, thank you. Like, if you pierce your nipples or something, you can get thrush there. Mm. Very exciting, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, like I said... A lot of people will have candida on their body in general, and it doesn't necessarily happen because you come in contact with candida, but just because there's, like, an overgrowth. So, um, like, we were talking about sugar. Like, if you have candida and then you're really, like, feeding it with things like sugar, and then um, it just 
takes over. Yeah, and if you do have thrush, um, I had a coworker who had it <laughs> about a year or two ago, and they they told her as course of treatment for thrush, she was basically supposed to stop eating um, anything with sugar mm. for the until it went away. Yeah. Ugh. Um, but you can get a special like lozenges for getting thrush in your throat. Yeah. Wow. Um, so you can, ironically, like a super common way that you get yeast infections, which is not how I got yeast infections because I've never douched in my life, is douching. What? Uh, so douching is like supposed to, you know, that's what they Mm -hmm. created douching for, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, get rid of things like bad smells. It actually basically causes like yeast infections and BV. Like it's really stupid to douche with chemicals. I mean, I don't want to like make people feel bad if they have, but like it is not a smart thing to do. It actually really messes up everything going on in your vagina and is more likely to increase infection and which I am sure the people that make douches know that that happens because then they're like, oh, you'll get an infection from using this douche and then you'll buy another douche and then da 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 and we'll make lots of money. Uh, Lifetime so, customers. Yeah. I hope that – I don't know if there's an article about this, but I really hope that millennials have killed the douche industry. <laughs> like, like why? Let me. Why does douche douching exist? Like, I mean, if you just, like, douche with water or something, like, that's fine. But, like, also be careful about overcleaning because then you can yeah, kind of, totally. like, mess up your own ecosystem. I, I don't understand this idea that your vagina is supposed to smell like laundry detergent. Like, <laughs> yeah. who wants that? Yeah, the Victorian era, I guess. Maybe. Totally. Yeah. Um, well, other ways that you can get it is your poop. Uh, wiping <laughs> uh, front – or, sorry, wiping back to front. Mm-hmm. Not the best idea. Go mm-hmm. front to back mm-hmm. uh, because you can get poop into your vagina. And then our just fecal remnants. And then that can make your fungi go crazy. That made me think of another uh, body check-in thing that I had noted (laughs) and forgot to bring up. And that is that I got a bidet attachment. (laughs) What? (laughs) I'm so excited. And I, like, went and installed it. And Jessica lives next door. And I went, like, running over. And I was like, Jessica, Jessica. (laughs) And I was like, I've already used one. Do you want to come try my bidet? like not excited at all <laughs> i was like fine i'm just gonna sit on it and giggle for like an hour we went to this house for my sister-in-law's wedding that for some reason was completely outfitted with bidets in every toilet Whoa. so we all got our bidet full <laughs> and discovered for some reason they had a front bidet which is really just yeah. a masturbation machine. Like, how is it was, not? And it was just like, I was like, that is not for cleanliness. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's too much fun. Close to godliness? <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of uh, sex and orgasms, uh, don't go anal to vaginal also. Yeah. Uh, or, or, I mean, if you do, do a little wash. Mm-hmm. Change your you, condoms between. Yeah. Because that can be uh, another way that you get a yeast infection or other infections. Mm-hmm. So be careful about that. Mm-hmm. Um, other ways, you can also get it from an injury to a vagina. What? Yeah, I didn't find much more on that and why that would cause a yeast infection. But that was on the list. 
I wonder if a part of it is like you're injured by something external and maybe mm-hmm. that whatever is external has remnants or yeah. enough yeah, yeah. gunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so ways that you can prevent it um, are avoiding douches or any kinds of harsh chemicals downstairs. Or mm-hmm. antibacterial soaps, which yeah. I have learned recently. I think that's why I used to get them when I was younger because mm-hmm. I didn't know that you weren't supposed to do that. Yeah, and it's even you, you don't have to actually mm-hmm. douche with it. It's just like externally it can um, it can harm enough of that beneficial bacteria to swing your environment in the yeast's favor. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, the other reason why I think that I got them a lot when I was younger was because hormonal birth control can be another cause. Whoa. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So that's fun. Um, <laughs> and also being pregnant, which mm. is not sounds not fun to be both pregnant and have a yeast infection no. um, and having diabetes or cancer or other things that like deplete your immune system. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's apparently been some studies that like other things that deplete your immune system, like uh, lack of sleep and things like that can mm. um, lead to situations in which you are at an increased risk for yeast infections, which actually would probably explain uh, why. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have had a lot of yeast infections. Uh, so if you want to prevent them, uh, keep your vagina dry. Uh, hmm. Eat probiotics like acidophilus. Wear cotton underwear. Uh, this hmm. is one that I will never commit to, which is wearing loose-fitting pants all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I do have a lot more trousers due to, you know, fashion trends, but um, I will never give up leggings hmm. ever. Yeah. Uh, and avoid prolonged wear of workout clothes and swimsuits. And that actually... Uh, is a, a lot better explanation for why I constantly had yeast infections all the time was because I was a swimmer. Yeah, um, probably the chlorinated water doesn't help. Oh, no. No. <laughs> Just wiping that canvas clean. Yeah. So some fun facts. Uh, well, everyone can get yeast infections anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like that, just like you were saying with chlamydia, like anywhere there's like that mucous membrane. So there is a apparently a link between history of yeast infections and mental illness, which also explains my life. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> but I read that on Fox News, so it might be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's the link that people with mental illness are more likely to have yeast infections or people with yeast infections are more likely to have mental illness? Uh, I think the study showed the latter. Uh, they're hmm. correlated, I think, is more what it okay, is. Okay, okay. But so in the article that I read, even though it was on Fox News, did bring up the whole like gut flora, gut flora thing and mm-hmm. how that's really linked to mental health and yeah. something that like we don't. Yeah. We've talked about that on the podcast before. <laughs> like that's something that we don't really give a lot of credence to and maybe should be, you know, this topic of more scientific research because it seems like there is a significant connection between what's the bacteria inside your body and how are you doing mental health wise between what you eat and (laughs) yeah how how you feel yeah so i've had this i got on this like little uh i had this little mental breakdown while i was doing this uh because no it's fine uh but just because the world's horrible and um i found out that uh, apparently Candida was named by a woman, and it was a woman named Christine Marie Burkout, 
And what I had the little like mental breakdown about was there's like no information out there about her. Aww. Um, so she's like the smallest Wikipedia entry. I tried mm. Googling her name, could only find references to the Wikipedia entry. Uh, she wrote about uh, and like described the genus of Candida in her doctoral thesis um, at the University of Utrecht in the Netherlands. Uh, she was originally from Indonesia and uh, went to the University of Utrecht. And uh, she wrote that thesis in 1923. And then here's why I just had this like existential freak out. Then she died in 1932 and she would have only been 39 years old. Aww. No information out there about how she died and why. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, if a man had named something, you uh, know, yeah, there would dude. be fucking books written about him. And oh, like, and not- dying tragically young. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, not only is this a thing that affects women disproportionately, it was named by a woman and had a very like apparently the only things that I found that were talking about her thesis were like this was so important <laughs> and like just crucial to like the like way that we categorize uh this uh fungi and nothing there's like no books written about her no anything the story of our patron saint of yeasties yeah (laughs) and i like i just had this like like little freak out where i was just like god this is just how it is there's just no women do amazing things and then we don't keep record of it we pretend like women aren't scientists and this was in the fucking 20s yeah and she was a woman of color and like there's just not information out there about her and yeah and we're like way past the traditional the 50 to 60 year uh historical window for the hollywood biopic Mm -hmm. yeah this is prime Google Doodle yeah. zone, though, yeah. potentially. But she named what it. I think a Google Doodle would, would use. <laughs> <laughs> Little cottage cheesies. Exactly. I want to see some stuff in a Petri dish swim around into oh, the Google Oh, I saw logo. a lot of really gnarly Petri dishes oh, <laughs> in doing this research. Yes. Um, but she named Candida after the Latin word toga candida which referred to the white robes that candidates for senate wore in the ancient roman republic Hmm. because the discharge is white and we are destined for the senate (laughs) 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 um i almost went on a wormhole of researching like togas because i didn't realize they were so specific (laughs) uh but then i figured i would learn too much about fraternities Uh, (laughs) can't go back no. Uh, so I found some horrible, horrible suggestions out there for both things to do with your vagina in general and ways to cure a yeast infection. One, which of course comes from goop. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and she suggests that people steam their vaginas. Okay. I've, I've, I, I. No. <laughs> A BuzzFeed video or but something. But you need to keep them dry. They steamed their vagina. <laughs> That's how you prevent yeast infections. I, you keep your vagina dry. Yeah, I feel like this is like prime goop brought us vagina steaming, jade eggs in the vagina, and conscious uncoupling. Yeah. Like that is what I think of when I think of goop. Was the vagina steaming? I thought that was more for just general rejuvenation instead of specifically it's, thinking about No, it's yeast for like everything. Treatment. Okay. But that's like everything on Goop is supposed to cure everything. Right. That's wrong right. with you and make you perfect and thin and beautiful and white. 
Right. Just this, a, a short steam sesh, <laughs> and then you let it dry out and go back to uh, I don't know. Right. In your house in Sedona. <laughs> you're doing yoga with your feet over your head. I mean, that can't be that different than just, like, going into a wet sauna or taking a long shower. Yeah. Right. It's, and just allowing for steam to be in your body. Yeah. Near your body. I just don't trust goop. Well, no. Um, this wasn't directly a cure for yeast infections, but it will hella cause them. There was a real housewife <laughs> who was encouraging women to put sugar, actual sugar, <laughs> no. inside your fucking vagina to make it taste more sweet for your no. sexual partner, which never, ever, 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 ever do that. No. Yeah, I remember learning that very young was like if you're going to do any kind of sex play with food don't put sugary items into your vagina right like if you're doing like chocolate sauce Mm. or whipped cream or Mm -hmm. any just don't let it get inside your vagina just don't listen to a real housewife for suggestions yeah (laughs) although there is part of me that wants to know exactly who it was and what city they were from i don't know anything about i think it was atlanta that's I have some ideas about who it was. <laughs> I've never it watched might have an been episode. Phaedra, it might have been Kim. Okay. I've never watched an episode, so maybe it's a great show. I don't know. It's not. <laughs> it's not worth it. Don't do it. At least not for the medical tips. Um, I did get to ride in an elevator with Nene Leakes, though, in D.C. one night after a press correspondent dinner thing that my cousin got me to come out to, and she was one of the most beautiful people I've ever seen in person. I believe it. But that was probably, like, airbrushed makeup, cap tea. You know, it was, like, yeah. one of those things where I was like, whoa, and then I was like, this costs so much money and time to do. Mm-hmm. This is not real. Or is I'm, like, I'm walking around with, like, open acne <laughs> On my face right now. <laughs> Two or three days of mascara accumulated <laughs> under my eyes right now, for sure. How do they do it? <laughs> Gross podcasters are real people, too. <laughs> Just like you. <laughs> Except we actually look like real gross people. <laughs> I, I think... People are gross. Yeah, I really sometimes wonder about what it's like to, like, live in the same household like really live not tv wise with Mm -hmm. someone like kim kardashian Mm -hmm. because you know she is a human and she does poop and she does fart yeah and like she has obviously worked her whole life to make you think she doesn't do any of those things but like what a glorious miracle it would be to be in the same room as kim kardashian when she farts yeah Do you think she just keeps talking over it? Like, even if your body just naturally pauses to kind of, like, see? Oh, I totally think she's that kind of person. She's probably gotten an experimental surgery so that, like, it just, like, is a flute sound or something. Or she wears those, like, like, charcoal (laughs) underpants that are supposed to, like, deaden (gasps) and absorb it. Filter, (laughs) yes. Except I don't think she really wears underpants, so. Uh, Yeah, probably not. Like, weird charcoal butt tampon. So that's something I have been interested in. We're now I'm this is just celebrity culture, but like, <laughs> where is the Jennifer Lawrence character or figure that's like bringing the realness to the talk show circuit, <laughs> but like about bad body stuff or gross yeah. body stuff? Jennifer Lawrence, not... why the fuck haven't you farted on TV yet? Yeah. yeah, that's what I want for the next Oscar campaign. Yeah, maybe it's just because they don't put mics down there. You could be that person on the red carpet, though. Mm-hmm. You just, like, creep along behind people's butts hoping to catch a fart. Totally. <laughs> or I feel like they have, like, heat-sensing cameras that, like, oh, can show yeah. you the little, like, That's great. Air. I want that. That's, yeah. the, that's the camera that I want to watch red carpet season. <laughs> Kick like me off, Eddie. worst Eddie's. nightmare. 
Like, what good people watching, though, just to see who's uh-huh. going to do it in the crowd. Like, yeah. Yeah. When you're walking up to the crosswalk, versus you can't just stop there and let it out when you got people behind you. Yeah. It's like the, the pool with the dye in it for when exactly. you pee. Exactly. Oh, also my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's not really real. Is it? I don't I think, don't think so. so. I've they just never say seen it that because, like, they just we got into this discussion life before because... I was a mm-hmm. swimmer for just the majority of my childhood and into some of my adult life, and they they I have peed in every pool I've ever been in. <laughs> Because when you're, like, an athlete in the water, they just... You're moving. Yeah. And also, I had, like, really kind of, like, shitty coaches sometimes growing up that were, like, trying to build Olympians, and they would be like, I don't care if you have to pee. You're not leaving. You're not done until you've done 100 laps, you know? Ah, like, fuck. so you just pee. You just learn to pee in the pool. And and while you're swimming. And while you're swimming. That's you don't stop. Nothing stops you. No. If you gotta pee, you gotta pee. Not even the threat of die. No. No. And because it's not real, because you learn pretty quickly it's not a real thing. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> I've probably also peed in every pool I've ever been in, but I am not an athlete. I'm just lazy. In your civilian capacity. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a professional athlete. Pool. Yes. It does, and you got to pull the swimsuit to the side. And mm-hmm. you got to, like, get your towel wet and wrapped yeah. around you. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. Shuffle off to the bathroom. And, and then do you go in there without any shoes on, or Ugh. do you go with the weird, Oh, like... no, you have to have shoes, because on another episode we'll be talking about how I had a lot of uh, athlete's, athletes foot. Athletes, but got well, shoes. Moral Small fungus, story. yeah. You can pee in the pool. Yeah, go for it. It's right. fine. That's, that's why, why there's... Right. Yeah, that's, that's why, why there's chlorine. chlorine. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten to this argument with people who think I'm disgusting, but it doesn't matter. Your yeah. fine. sterile when it comes out of you, too, isn't it? I want to know sure. more, Jesse, about your uh, fuck herbal remedies thing. Oh. If it's specifically in a yeast infection space. Or no, just yeast more... infections. Okay, I just totally, don't believe totally. in them because of my own life experience. Yeah. Um, oh, I... yeah. I didn't list the yeast infection uh, potential natural remedies. What which else is... can you shove up in there other than sugar? Don't Right. Yogurt. Please make sure there's no sugar. Yes. <laughs> uh, garlic. Uh, this one I kind of believe in because I think I've been able to use it preventatively is okay. tea tree oil. So I use the, the Dr. Bronner's tea tree oil uh, soap. soap, and I think that that's really helpful. Um, I'm starting to lose faith in apple cider vinegar altogether because it is no. supposedly a cure for everything, and that to me is a red flag. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's got vinegar is a, a culture product. It it has a, a type of fungus. It, isn't it? That probably makes it bad for this, doesn't it? I don't know. It just literally every time that you look up like natural remedy, it's like A C V. Yeah. A-C-V. And I just I just Yeah, it sound it started to sound like snake oil to me. So yeah. I don't know. Actually I don't think it has a fungus in it. It has um, some sort of bacterial culture. Yeah, I don't know. But it would that would tip the pH of your your vagina or wherever you yeah. have a yeast infection more towards the acidic side. I don't think that's useful for knocking out a yeast no. infection, but it is probably a decent preventive measure. It could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Here's a que- I have a question really quick, and I'm sorry if this has been covered before. No, it's fine. Are there – do you – do you either one of you know if there's like a natural or normal pH level for your vagina? I don't know if it's, like, across the board everyone should have the same pH, but right. I think there is a stabilizing pH that your vagina is at. Okay. I don't know. Do you sort know? of, like, pri- like 
um, like your prime pH. Yeah, right. You're in like a four to eight function. zone or something. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Because isn't that true? Is. is that true with bodies in general that you have like a zone? Yeah. Um, well, there's like whole diets based around yeah. that, like trying to alkalize your body yeah. and stuff, mm-hmm. which now sounds like it would give you a lot of yeast infections. Yeah, I read a decent amount too that the like so the whole like candida diet thing. I don't mm-hmm, know if anybody's mm-hmm. familiar with that. Like that that seems to be a crock of horseshit. It doesn't work. No. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm also, like, really, because I'm so susceptible, I I get more cynical about certain things because I will, like, start reading and I'll realize that I'm like, yeah, I should totally do this cleanse because, like, then my life will be better. Everything's going to turn around. I'm not going to be depressed anymore. And, like, this is what I need to do. And then I realize I need to read all of the negative stuff that's out there so that I don't, like, Mm -hmm. buy into this being, like, yeah. Because uh, it's just not healthy. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, th- like, what we know about pH is based directly on, like, what you eat or topically apply mm-hmm. being a different pH mm-hmm. than whatever you're trying to remedy. But, like, I don't know what else affects your body's pH. Totally. Yeah. Like, what, what your body actually, like, mechanically produces that affects that one way or the other. So right. it's probably a lot more in in that area than what you're actually putting into your body via food. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, there seemed to be so much about how stress made an impact. I wonder mm-hmm. if, like, mm-hmm. and this could just be me just guessing, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> that stress makes you more susceptible? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, that maybe cortisol has something to do with probably your pH. Totally. Who, who fucking knows? Don't listen to me. Because you've got all kinds of stuff going through there with insulin and other mm-hmm. things. Yeah. yeah. Your body's just producing or regulating on its own. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Well. I will very gladly stick a pH strip in myself oh, to yeah. see what's up. Me too. I yeah. When I was in high school, I remember they had party. us do that with like our saliva. I feel like they should just do that with genitalia. And like totally. how <laughs> does it change throughout the day? Yes. Like how? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How does your pH flex through time? Will someone get us pH strips? Yes. I will look into that. <laughs> well, you can have inexpensive. Yeah, like at an aquarium store or something. Yeah. yeah exactly. I'm gonna buy the aquarium <laughs> store bet. pH strip. And then on air next time we'll test the pH of our vaginas. <laughs> Very interesting. I this. should be off of my period by then. Oh, we should test period and on period, yes. on and off period, and the distinction. <laughs> and well, then probably by the end of this, because I've been sweating so much in the studio, I'll probably have a yeast infection. <laughs> well, well while you're talking about natural remedies, I have tried yogurt and I have tried garlic. Um, I found yogurt to be pretty ineffective for me because it just doesn't stay up there. You're yeah. supposed to freeze it. That. I think Whoa. that's what I did. Back to the egg. And it didn't work. Okay. I'm pretty sensitive to hot and cold. I did try to freeze it and it was too oh. much for me. Too, like, way too cold. Oh. Well, see, <laughs> I thought it was kind of great because it did sort of, like, numb the itchiness. So, literally, every time that I do uh, have a yeast infection, I will ice my vagina. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> smart. It sounds really painful, <laughs> um, but I do like garlic, and if I, like, feel a yeast infection coming on, um, I will do garlic suppositories. I will try to mm-hmm. eat more garlic, and um, with the suppository, they, they tell you that you're supposed to use, like, a whole peeled 
clove of garlic. Like, don't cut into it any, at all. You can even, like, wrap it in um, something sanitary to mm-hmm. make it, um, to try to keep it from, like, burning you at all. Um, but I go, like, full bore, and I know we've talked about this before, because, like, if you already have a yeast infection, the garlic is not going to burn you. It is going to be soothing. Okay. And garlic has natural antibacterial properties, or antifu- antibacterial and antifungal properties. Um, so if you're already suffering from a deficiency of the bacteria that you need, it's, you know, it's, it's not going to make that part any worse. But it will... Um, it's also really acidic, so it, the garlic is going to help create an environment that is um, not beneficial to the yeast. It will make the yeast, uh, it will make it harder for the yeast to um, grow. And I have found that I can stop a yeast infection from getting really bad by doing this. Sometimes I would say I have about like a fifty percent success rate, but if my yeast infection is full blown, like I need the diflucan. There's yeah. nothing yeah. else that is going to help. But nothing else that I have tried that's going to help. I have not tried apple cider vinegar. Um, one thing that I have been I did, wanting to try that I haven't yet is boric acid. Oh, yeah. I did see that. I is know that, that anything people, called acid I just you know, don't want to put next to my vagina? Yeah. A lot. I believe it's a very mild acid. It's something that you can use like in your laundry detergent. It's a booster or if you make your own detergent. Um, you can also get it in capsules, um, which is probably more appropriate for something that you're going to use in a medical fashion. Um, but apparently it's a very mild acid and it's something that people have a lot of um, success with. So I would like to try it. Okay. I do have one more apple cider vinegar question. Are you using this as a rinse? Are we ingesting this to have this? Is I had it tried it as a, a douche situation. Okay, like okay. you dilute it a little yeah, bit yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, didn't really seem to make a dent. Okay. While I am not against natural remedies, I feel like just in general, I am against the vibe of like, you shouldn't use chemicals. They're bad for you. Mm-hmm. Being somebody that's like on antidepressants, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like right. chemicals are great. <laughs> like actually, yeah. sometimes you like need them to survive. So I feel that way about yeast infection treatments and some medications. Like yeah. I just am not into the whole nature can solve all your problems. Like it, I just don't think that's realistic. And I think it's stigmatizing of people who really need certain medications to mm-hmm. get by. Totally. But I mean, that being said, I think that we also should explore or at least be knowledgeable of all of the options available. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. And respect, like, traditional knowledges because yeah. I feel totally. like there are, like, things out there that aren't the way that the Western world has done them and because people assumed that – well, white people assumed that people of color's way of doing mm-hmm. things was probably misguided and illogical instead mm-hmm. of looking into why they did things in a certain way. Um, and now why people just appropriate that knowledge. Yeah, Goop <laughs> does not get credit for no. so much of <laughs> things that have happened for thousands of years. And Yeah, when I heard about jade eggs, I was like, oh, I bet you, like, the Mayans were doing that or something. Yeah, come <laughs> on. Yeah. Vagina steaming. It's an ancient tradition of <laughs> some culture, I'm sure. Yeah. I would like to know, though, which one. Yeah. Uh... We've said it before. We'll say it again. Don't forget to air out your vagina. Yeah, especially important this episode. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you, (gasps) Lay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yay. Have a good night. Good night. Bye. Bye.
Apple.